Welcome to the Eat Scripture Podcast with Eric and Gina Robinson. We are doing a series through the Psalms and just picking selected Psalms out. And today we're going to do Psalm 82, mm-hmm. which is, for me, a really weird Psalm. <laughs> for most people. Not <laughs> and hard you. to understand. Yeah. And it makes is. my head hurt. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I know you have a, done a little bit more reading on this divine counsel mm-hmm. idea, and so we'll give us some background on that. Mm-hmm. But um, before we get started, just want to uh, let you know that we have a website, mm-hmm. scripture.com if you would like to go find out more about um, our ministry. And if you would like to become a partner with us, you can. there's a donate button. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, mm-hmm. we would love to hear them. Yes. And um, we have quite a few things going on that aren't on the website. Mm-hmm. So if you have a question about getting into a group, a study or uh, something, just let us know. Yeah. Both online studies and in-person studies and, you know, individuals right. and groups. I mean, we'd just be happy to talk to you. If yes. If you want to talk to us, ask questions. So feel free to do so. And we will look forward to hearing from you about anything. Uh, and now, let's jump into Psalm 82 with all its weirdness yes. and its difficulties. Are you brave? Um, <laughs> yes, I hope y'all are feeling brave. It's kind of one of those psalms where once you read it, you're like, okay, well, did I even just read? I don't even understand the thing that was going on. Uh, but we will start by reading it just like usual and kind of take it in, let it be what it is, and then we'll talk our way through it. As weird as it may sound, who's who's talking, who's going on, what's going on, we'll, we'll figure that out as we walk through it. So, um, here we go. We're going to start all the way through, just one through eight. Okay. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. And there you have it. As simple as it is. It's not really long. No, it's definitely not. But it's uh, like, who's talking? Mm -hmm. What is this divine counsel? Mm -hmm. This is another psalm that says it's uh, a psalm of Asaph, mm-hmm, right. which we talked about before. A bit about don't, last time. Mm-hmm. Don't have a lot of information on who that is. There's... No. And we only have these psalms of Asaph um, right in this section, plus one, plus Psalm 50. Um, so in this, we're getting toward the end of the psalms of Asaph, 82 and 83. Those, the 83 is going to be the last one of the psalms okay. of Asaph. So for whatever reason though he seems inspired he is inspired to write about the divine council um and so we've got big questions about even what that is even the words in hebrew um are not maybe uh, they're just not something we're used to 
looking at all the time, or I should say the words in English, the Hebrew translation, um, the English translation of the Hebrew is not something we're used to seeing all the time in scripture. So we don't know how to take that. What is a divine counsel? What does that even mean? A divine counsel. Um, and so we have different versions that are saying different things there. But if, so if we look in, you know, if we look in the new international version, it's just going to say the great assembly, which leaves it maybe even more vague than divine council. I don't I I think know so, what divine council like, is, but it feels like that could just be the congregation mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Actual people. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It could be actual people. Maybe that is that what it is? God takes his place in this what? A church service? Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, a d- divine council is really comes from the word Elohim is in there in the divine council. That's the word Elohim. And then I get the word Elohim used again in this verse right, right below it in the midst of the Elohim. He holds judgment, which makes it even weirder. So the, these are parallel statements yes. in some way. God's taken his place in the divine council and in the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Um, the New Living Translation says here, God presides over heaven's court, over heaven's court. He pronounces judgment on the heavenly beings. I think they actually get it pretty right. Pretty great job of the way they put it there. This is heaven's, it's like heaven's court. I might even say like heaven's boardroom, God's boardroom, if we want to put it in like terms, like I've heard, um, Tim and John talk about it on the Bible project. So they'll, they'll use that boardroom imagery. Right. Uh, it kind of helps to that, be able to see that because you mm-hmm. think, okay, like he's come into the boardroom and he sits down and, but who is this divine council? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's our next question. And that makes my head hurt. Yes, exactly. But they're called Elohim here, which is a word we're used to using. It's the word we're used to using for God throughout the old Testament. Or G-O-D, God, our God, the one we worship. That's Elohim. Well, sometimes, though, it's used where it's obviously not the one and only God we worship. It's referring to other beings, right? other heavenly beings, divine beings, angels, however we want to say it, but div- divine beings. Not divine in the sense that they are exactly like God, but created by him to work in the heavenly places, right. divine. Um, and so this word divine in the Bible, the way it gets used here, um, the way that it's used as an interpretive here, it it's not equated with God himself. It's not God himself that we're talking about. It is beings that were created by God, but that have a place in the heavens and get to co-rule with him. So that that's one of the things we have to wrap our head around first. He's using this word gods in the in 82.1. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. He's using the word Elohim there because we're talking about these beings with great power that were created by God to co-rule with him. But they're still created creatures, just like us in that way. But they do have authority and power, and God wants to, to incorporate them in his governorship of all things. In the way that he rules everything, he wants them to help him govern. So just like a great CEO 
of a company doesn't make all the decisions. Every single decision by himself, he needs others who are around him and wants others to are, who are around him to participate in helping. This is weird, this and I know I'm being really quiet because, and we've talked about this, you and I, but I also know it's still a new concept for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for a lot of people,、mm-hmm. um, this is not what we heard about when we were growing up.、Mm-hmm. No. Um, but I think there is a lot written about this.、Mm-hmm. It's a very、um, the, there are a lot of scholars who see this. Yes,、It's、absolutely. Very, you're、and、not that, the only one. And this one. is why they and this is why it gets interpreted this way in so many Bibles. I mean, like I said, New Living Translation, we're in heaven's court, and he's pronouncing judgment on heavenly beings. That's the New Living Translation. Then we have. The Brian Study Bible: God presides in the divine assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. Among the gods.、Um, the King James:、uh, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods.、Um, the congregation of the mighty、uh, is the way they put it, which leaves a little bit of ambiguity there.、Um, maybe, maybe,、right. well, you know, what are we talking about? Congregation of the mighty. Maybe there's room to call that. Could we call that humans? I don't know.、Um, and and but it but it's enough vague that yeah, it could easily be. But I think、um, it has to be divine、right. council because, like I said, Elohim's used twice in the right in the and I and、verse. we do have this language in other places.、Mm-hmm. Yes, it's not just here. It's just that we've stumbled onto this in our、mm-hmm. reading it in the Psalms. But、mm-hmm. even like in Job. Yeah,、uh, that could be kind of what we see at the beginning there,、mm-hmm. um, with Satan. So maybe Satan was originally part of the divine council. <laughs> exactly, Job one six and Job two one. God is has this day. It says where everyone is, or everyone where all these beings. I'll even read it to you. One six. Now there was a day when the sons of God. The sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Yes, it's going to say the same thing when we get to chapter two, verse one. We're going to do、yes. it again. We have them assembling in and to present themselves before God. This is again like a king on his throne is approached by his various. Um, those various ones that he's put authority into to report on、mm-hmm. the area that they're in charge of. That's that's the picture that we have painted for us there, and and how this really works is that a picture that's just for us? Couldn't tell you. I don't know exactly how it looks in heaven, but I know that what we're the picture we're painted is one that our minds can wrap around, and it has everything to do with the fact that you know it's told to us in the sense of. A great king who、right. is, is having his subject,、uh, the, right. yeah, presiding over、He's, those who are given authority over various lords or whatever. Yeah, yeah. his lords, dukes, or earls,、yeah. or whatever, and they're coming <laughs> and reporting to him、right. about what they're doing. So, but they, but they're definitely Elohim. They're definitely Elohim, as the Bible says. Which is just all of this is just a new way of thinking、mm-hmm. for most of us. Yes, we just kind of skip over those passages and don't think about it too much.、Mm-hmm. But it's right here, and we really want to deal with it.、Uh, mm-hmm. And when we come to Psalm eighty-two, it's kind of hard to ignore. Yeah, yeah. So 
I mean, there would be some question over, is that what we're talking about in Genesis 1.26, where God says, let us make man in our image. Right. It's very easy for us to hear that as a, in its Trinity um, interpretation. Right. Maybe this is God, the Son, and the Spirit all talking among themselves about the making of people. But, but it's, it's not God impossible for it to be God talking to the divine assembly and yes. saying, yeah, I know what we'll do. Now, it's really him that's going mm-hmm. to act. He's the one who creates from nothing. Um, but but he's incorporating others into his rulership of his creation, which we know that's what he loves to do. He wants to incorporate us into the rulership. We're, we get to sit on the throne with Jesus and talks about us being part of the judgment over nations and angels and so forth as we go through the Bible. That's an amazing thing to think about. But he has done that same thing through these heavenly beings. He wants to incorporate them. Michael, Gabriel, others, let's say. Right. Satan is, I mean, when he first created uh-huh. Satan and wanted, you know, and then Satan rebelled. There's just rebellion in heaven. All of that's going to take place. But what we have here is a psalm that's giving us some insight on that very thing. And so Genesis 1.26, Genesis 3.22, Genesis 11.7, all of those God speaks in that uh, way where he talks about us and we speaks in that yes. plural first person. Mm-hmm. And you're left wondering, what it's does he mean? Confusing. What is he talking right. Yeah, exactly. Who's he talking to here? What does he mean? And and I don't even want to say the Trinity's out of range on that because it's no. in range to understand Absolutely. it that way. And then this is also in range. Um, but if we want to see a maybe it's all of it. Yeah, exactly. What if there's what know. if there's multiple aspects of that that we should take into account? And I think that his ways well are not our true. ways. Right. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So right. we just can't completely understand it. Yes. Now, I don't know whether to go through this psalm or go to First Kings first, just to see that. Um, let's go to First Kings. First Kings twenty-two. In First Kings twenty-two, the thing that's happening there is we've got Ahab. Who has, who has wooed Jehoshaphat to help him in this battle he's going to be in. And Jehoshaphat, who is king of the south, Ahab's king of the northern kingdom. Jehoshaphat's king of the southern kingdom. Jehoshaphat gets, or Ahab gets Jehoshaphat to team up with him against his enemies. And they're both going to go into battle. But Jehoshaphat says, hey, isn't it, isn't it possible that we could confer with a prophet of Yahweh first before we do this? Ahab doesn't really like doing that because prophets of Yahweh don't really talk very good about him, don't have good things to say about him, and don't give him good prophecies. He feels like, I'd rather hear from the guys who tell me good things than the guys than the ones who always seem like they're telling me bad things, which are the prophets of Yahweh. But finally, Jehoshaphat kind of wins him over, and Ahab is like, well, I do have this one prophet of Yahweh that I know where he is. Of course he knows where he is. He keeps him locked up because he's mad at him because he never right. prophesies anything good about him. He doesn't say things he likes to hear. Exactly. And so, but he says, we can go ask him. And so they go, they go and ask this prophet Micaiah, who's been locked up. They ask him, what, what is it that will happen when we go into battle? What does Yahweh say? about like what's going to happen when we go into like... battle. He said it does kind of feel that way, yeah. We go down to verse 19 and we get uh, Micaiah's answer. So here we are in First Kings, again, First Kings twenty-two nineteen, And Micaiah said, Therefore, 
hear the word of Yahweh. So here comes the answer. This is what you're asking for. I saw Yahweh sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. Okay, so here we are. We're in that kind of divine setting where God is is talking to those who are in his divine council. He's and they're spread out on his right and his left. So then verse 20, and Yahweh said, who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? So this is what Micaiah sees. As he sees this vision, Yahweh is saying, you know what? Which one of you will go out and just entice Ahab to go into battle so that he can fall? In other words, I'm done with him. I'm tired of him. It's time for him to die in battle. Who will do that for me? And so it go, then it goes uh, on in verse 20. And one said one thing and another said another. So here the divine counsel weighs in. Start answering God's questions. I think maybe this. I think maybe That's that. So weird. How about we do? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. How about we do this? How about we do that? And then verse 21. Then a spirit came forward and stood before Yahweh saying, I will entice him. And Yahweh said to him, by what means? So he, he steps up, says, how, how about me? It? I'll do it. And he always says, yeah, okay, well, you tell me your plan then. How do you plan to do it? And it says, uh, verse 21, after he says, I will entice him, then 22. And the Lord said to him, by what means? And he said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And Yahweh said, okay. you, <laughs> he, Yahweh said, you are to entice him and you will succeed go and do that go and do so so there we have oh my goodness <laughs> it's we've gotten this picture of the divine council and how it works and it sounds very boardroom like like we're used to or something like that everybody weighed in the best guy got chosen for the job hey you that does sound like a good plan that is what we're going to do yeah i think you should go and do that go and do it that way so we've got, this is the picture that we've got. And it works so that our, I think we're given this because this does fit inside our framework. This does give us some understanding of that we can accept over how things might work. But, but the picture that we get is God co-ruling with these other created beings that he has made. He wants to draw them in and get them doing this with him. Now we go back to Psalm 82 and read it in light of that. Let's read it in light of how we're learning that the divine counsel works. So God takes his place among the council and in the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Oh, he's going to, he's, this is oh, judging these I don't Elohim. Think he's happy. I don't think this is a happy meeting. No, this is, this, this is, it's the end of the year. The numbers have come in and they do not look good. <laughs> right, exactly. So in 82.1, he starts, ta- or 82.2, he starts talking. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Okay, he is raking the board members over the coals right now. How in the world can you justify acting like this, doing this? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. That's what he wants them to do. Start acting like this. Oh my goodness, how can you not do that? I put you in charge of these places these various areas of my kingdom and you're not judging with impartiality. You're showing complete partiality. And so you're, you seem to, you, you're giving all the rich and the powerful all the help and not doing what I said to do as far as being impartial and 
do my way, do it my way. Stop doing it your way and do it my way. Um, that's what God wants them to do, to, to be Which just. Which I find, I just have to say here real quick that, again, <laughs> pointing out that justice, mm-hmm. we often think that means um, the people who do right get the, it's about what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know, following rules. Yeah. God's idea of justice is this. Right, is this. Is that we treat everyone well. Yes. That we take care of the weak and the the weakest among us. Right, especially not letting the weak and the needy and the destitute go without being addressed. And it's all over, and I just had to point that out because if you really start reading your Bible, you will see that that is the idea of justice, and it is... What God wants. Mm-hmm. Yes. And That's we like to ignore that. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. And we seem to be taking our cues, unfortunately, from bad heavenly beings that right. that are not doing what Yahweh wants them to do. That are influenced. Yeah, yes. in, that influence us by their leadership. They influence those who are under them and to do it wrongly. And that's what that's that's the problem. When we go to verse 5, it could be like in the ESV, they've stopped the quotes at verse 4, like God stopped talking there for a minute and then get a little bit of commentary in verse 5. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. Now, either that's either that's the... But the it Hebrew is the narrator have... talking. If if we want the quotes to end in verse 4, then the narrator is talking in verse 5 about... Who, the divine beings or the wicked? One of those two. Yeah. One of those two. Um, but I think, yeah, like you were about to there's say. Not there's not quotation marks in here. No quotation marks. So in we Hebrew. don't know where those quotation marks begin and end. Correct. Uh, because the translator that I look at, Robert Alter, a lot, mm-hmm. does. he says all of verses 2 through 7 are all God speaking. God speaking. And that's where I go. I feel I feel like he does about that. Um, I think this is still part of God talking. So God says they have neither knowledge nor understanding. And he's talking about those wicked that he just ended the verse four with. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding and walk around in darkness and the foundations of the earth are shaken. In other words, look at them down there. Those wicked people, they don't, they are not taking me or my ways into account at all. No knowledge or understanding. And it's causing upheaval throughout the world. Right. Because the creation was, God created the earth founded on justice. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when this justice is not taking place, mm-hmm. ooh, we're in jeopardy. Right. And exactly. Um, and as long as those Elohim don't don't set up systems in their particular areas where they're given to govern that will establish, you know, that will put a foothold under the under the poor and the destitute, give them a chance and an opportunity, then things keep running amok and, and so the people don't live right. Because they have no, there's no impetus to live right. The ones who are over them have created a system that lifts them up, that gives them better, you know, uh, chance. They don't have to pay attention to others. And so that's what God is upset about. So I think in verse five, he's addressing the wicked. This is how the wicked act. If you're not going to judge with impartiality, this is how things are going to go awry. 
Uh, and so verse six, I said, Yahweh keeps talking here. I said, you're God's sons of the most high, all of you. That's what I've said. I've said, that's how this will work. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, verse seven, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Here's the judgment. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Guess what? Divine beings aren't necessarily immortal. Right. That's crazy. And, and this verse again tells us there's something different about this, who he's talking to than men. Mm-hmm. Because yes. it says, nevertheless, like men, you shall die. Yes. Like men, you shall die. Exactly. Right. <laughs> he's not talking to men, but he's talking to the divine council. Like, you know what? You know how they die down there? Well, it's going to be you. You're going to die like that because I'm not putting up with this. I'm not putting up with this. There will be judgment for you too. You don't get to live forever just because you were made so, you know, in a superior divine fashion. Um, and so in verse eight, then I think that's our psalmist again, um, making a final pronouncement as he writes the psalm, arise, O God, judge the earth for you shall inherit the nations. Or as some say, you will possess you possess even doesn't even go into the future tense, but for you possess the nations. Um, I think maybe it is more of a will inherit. And I think there's a subtle reference to Jesus maybe in there. He will be the one who grows up in. He's God's son, God's true son, the son in the way that nobody else could be. And he will inherit from his father all of all of the rulership of the nations because they can't handle it these ones he's put it into the hands of they've done it wrongly so guess what i'm going to wipe you out you're all going to die like men and then what what could have been what you could have been over and will actually revert to the hands of my true son it actually uh, sounds like a parable mm-hmm. yeah it has some parallel the, feel you know, like a, the vineyard owner in the mm-hmm the sun is going to... The ones who want to have yes. for themselves, but then the sun is going to come. And they, and... they can, well, maybe we'll kill the sun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it just feels like... And when I look up at what he's telling them, to, uh, how he's telling them justice works, mm-hmm. and not to show partiality to the wicked, and to give to the weak and the fatherless, give justice to the weak and fatherless, mm-hmm. uh, and so on. That's exactly what Jesus did. Right. Exactly he did what just yes. uh, rule justly. Yes, he does. Uh, I say he did, but when he was walking on earth, he did this. He's still today doing this, and he's the only one who can. It feels like, like God, when we see in Isaiah, when he's looking around, and there's no one who can mm-hmm. do what he needs to be done. Mm-hmm. No one who can be just. Yeah. And he has to do it with his own right hand. Mm-hmm. But that's what's happening here. So right. he will inherit his own nations, his own creation. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Um, when I get and so now seeing this, this psalm is actually quoted by Jesus mm-hmm. uh, in John chapter ten, verse thirty-four. Now, before we close, I think we'll say just a couple of words about that because Jesus has been, Jesus has just said, he's talking to a crowd of Jews in that passage, John 10. He's talking to a crowd of Jews. A lot of them are upset with him. He winds up making a statement in verse 30, 1030, I and the Father are one. Mm-hmm. In verse 31, Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which one of them are you going to stone me? So he's responding back to, oh, 
you're picking up stones. Which one of those good works uh, that you've seen me do are you stoning me for? The Jews answered him, it's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. The way it, They knew exactly what he was saying when he said the Father and I are one, and that he was making an equation of himself with God. Well, they didn't take it as metaphor. They were upset with him because he was saying he was God. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? So he quotes right there. He quotes Psalm 82. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, oh my goodness, this is Jesus talking. If God called the ones gods, to whom the word of God came. In other words, to, to he's speaking his word to him right there, and he's calling them gods. And scripture can't be broken. So Jesus right. is saying, so we know it's right because it's scripture. Right. It's everybody accepts it's scripture. He must have called them gods as he was speaking to them. Then do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you're blaspheming because I said, I'm the son of God? Oh my goodness. Are you so... so it's okay with you that he wrote that in Psalm 82, but now that I, the very one that God has sent into the world, consecrated and sent into the world, I mean, I'm a, I'm superior to them, right? Because he's the, I'm the one he chose I'm, I'm to come here, him. <laughs> and yes, and really, he is him exactly. I just, I and the Father am, you know, the Father and I are one, um, and and so, but. You're, I, I'm above them. He chose me, consecrated me, set me apart. In other words, set me apart from them, made me the one who would come and take care of everything. You're going to say I'm wrong because I'm saying I'm the son of God. If he calls them gods, how much more me? And then he goes on to make his case. If I am not doing the works of my father, then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father's in me and I'm in the father. Oh my goodness, if you can't believe the words that I say out of my mouth right now, at least look at what I've been doing. Can anybody do that who doesn't have God's power? Has has any person ever been able to open the eyes of the blind, the blind man would say? There's a question in the Pharisees. That has to be the one from God. is what he, And that's Jesus' point here too. I'm obviously the one. I'm different from anybody else. I'm different from anything you've ever seen, anyone you've ever known. He the divine council couldn't put, do that's right. The divine the council isn't even that Jesus is doing by healing the blind. That's or, right. Yes, uh, by taking up the cause, casting out the demons that he's doing. It. All of that, he is taking up their cause. Yeah. And the divine council, obviously, in Psalm eighty-two, we're not doing that. Not doing it. But he is. Yeah. So he is. So he must be the one worthy to be. He is worthy to be called the Son of God. Exactly right. Wow. Beautiful, beautiful, yeah, very good stuff. Well, that's all the time we have uh, to go into this today, but hopefully that's like a little primer on the divine council for you. Yeah, make your head hurt. There's a lot lot more stuff out there. I would recommend Michael Heiser's uh, work for those who want to pursue it further. Um, Start with supernatural maybe and then move on from there. But uh, really great to talk to you guys. We love having a chance. And so Psalm 82, this time I think we're in Psalm 83 next time. Is that right? Oh, 88. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we are. We're jumping to 88. Jumping to 88. So take a look and we'll talk to you soon. God bless everyone and have a great day.